it is so exciting to get to lift our voices together and worship God and just um it's cool this the way that we're we're sitting now because it's as if you guys are singing to these ones over here and you guys are singing to these ones over here and just in case there's some of us that our faith is a little low this morning you're able to sing to them and just in case their faith is a little low this morning you're able to sing to them and so it's really exciting to um to just get to do this and be kind of like a, a living room atmosphere right so this morning we have um, the pastors, they're going to be answering a few questions, and, and it's, it, it is going to be a little bit different of a, of a message this morning, but it's exciting that we get to have, have the difference. So um, this morning we're, we're going to ask um, Pastor Dan first. We have a question for you. Um, the psalm that we're, we're doing this morning, it was Psalm 105, am I right? Psalm 105. Psalm 105 this morning, and so there's um, several several excerpts from that. We don't actually have it written in the in the um, <laughs> the the program for today to actually say that psalm. But um, I'm wondering first, Pastor Dan. I know I'm going to throw you a curveball, but um, can you can you read that psalm for us first, and then um, and then we'll answer that question first. So Psalm 105. I came prepared, Deborah. So I came prepared. <laughs> Here's what this psalm says, church. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known his accomplishments among the nations. Sing to him. Make music to him. Tell about all his miraculous deeds. Boast about his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord with strength he gives. Seek his presence continually. Recall the miraculous deeds he performed, his mighty acts, and the judgments he decreed. O children of Abraham, God's servant, you descendants of Jacob, God's chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. He carries out judgment throughout the earth. He always remembers his covenantal decree, the promise he made to a thousand generations, the promise he made to Abraham, the promise he made by oath to Isaac. He gave it to Jacob as a decree to Israel as a lasting promise, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion of your inheritance. When they were few in number, just a very few, and a resident foreigners within it, they wandered from nation to nation and from one kingdom to another. He let no one oppress them. He disciplined kings for their sake, saying, Don't touch my chosen ones. Don't harm my prophets. He called down a famine upon the earth. He cut off all the food supply. He sent a man ahead of them. Joseph was sold as a servant. The shackles hurt his feet. His neck was placed in an iron collar until the time when his prediction came true. The Lord's word proved him right. The king authorized his release. The ruler of nations set him free. He put him in charge of his palace and made him manager of all his property, giving him authority to imprison his officials and to teach his advisors. Israel moved to Egypt. Jacob lived for a time in the land of Ham. But the Lord made his people very fruitful, and he made them more numerous than their enemies. He caused the Egyptians to hate his people and to mistreat his servants. He sent his servant Moses and Aaron whom he had chosen. They executed his miraculous signs among them and his amazing deeds in the land of Ham. He made it dark 
Moses and Aaron did not disobey his orders. He turned the Egyptians' water into blood, and he killed their fish. Their land was overrun by frogs, which even got into the rooms of their kings. He ordered flies to come. Gnats invaded their whole territory. He sent hail along with the rain. There was lightning in their land. He destroyed their vines and fig trees and broke the trees throughout their territory. He ordered locusts to come, innumerable grasshoppers, and they ate all the vegetation in their land and devoured the crops of their fields. He struck down all the firstborn in their land, the first fruits of their reproductive power. He brought his people out enriched with silver and gold. None of his tribes stumbled. Egypt was happy when they left, for they were afraid of them. He spread out a cloud for a cover and provided a fire to light up the night. They asked for food, and he sent quail. He satisfied them with food from the sky. He opened up a rock, and and water flowed out. A river ran through dry regions. Yes, he remembered the sacred promise he made to Abraham, his servant, which he led his people out. They rejoiced. His chosen ones shouted for joy. He handed the territory of nations over to them, and they took possession of what other peoples had produced, so that they might keep his commands and obey his laws. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. And so this morning, we're trying to um, think out ways of how this is applicable to us in our everyday life. You know, that's kind of what our question was, is how do we apply that to our everyday lives? How does this scripture really make a difference in our everyday lives? And so we we pulled out some questions for each one of the pastors out of that um, that excerpt from scripture just to see, okay, how, how does this apply to each one of us? And so, Justin, we're going to ask you first, um, where have you seen God work in your life? <laughs> they gave me eight minutes, so I'm going to talk about as fast as I ever have. No, but, um, you know, something I was thinking about, and I was trying to pin it down to a timeline because if I'm going to go, if I'm going to talk about where have I seen God move recently, I could be up here for about a good hour and a half, two hours, just bragging on what the Lord's done in my life. And I've, I've been a really fortunate, blessed person by God because I'm really not anything all that special. I'm not all that highly educated and I'm not all that highly talented. But what I am is just willing to be used by the Lord if he asks. You know, I was, someone told me once that your greatest of ability is your availability and that's true at work that's true at church that's true at God the greatest ability you have is your availability so if I want to talk about where I've seen the Lord work in my life I've always told the Lord okay if I felt like the Lord was asking me to do something I was just like okay Lord so where I've seen the Lord work in my life when we moved I um I lived overseas for a few years in my in my teenage years on different military bases And we moved back to the U.S., and I was praying, and I felt like one day the Lord told me, Justin, I want you to get involved in this youth ministry. And I hadn't really been involved in youth ministry, but I said, okay. And 10 years later, I was still involved with the same youth ministry, and I'd gotten to see kids grow in the Lord. Kids get saved. Kids get baptized. Some of those kids now that I had in the youth group are married with their own kids. And if you want to start feeling old, you get involved in youth ministry, and you start seeing like, dude, I remember you were crying at camp because that was the first time you were away from your mom, and now you've got your own kids. And... But I said, okay. 
And I got involved. And then I felt like the Lord told me at one point to, to ask out my wife. And I said, okay. And then while I was serving at church, I felt like the Lord told me, like, Justin, I want you to get involved in construction. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And so I said, okay. And the more that I said, okay, the more that the Lord opened doors. And again, not because I was special, but because I was obedient. And we were talking about how has the Lord moved in my life. I was thinking at the time, I decided I wanted to get married, but I couldn't get married unless I was able to get into this apprenticeship because I wouldn't be able to afford it. And we wouldn't be able to get married if we couldn't, my wife couldn't student teach. She couldn't be a teacher while she was still a student teacher. But we said, okay, and the Lord opened those doors. And then I was praying and talking to God, and I felt like the Lord was telling me to get involved in the ministry. And they said, hey, Justin, can you teach? Would you be willing to teach a bunch of junior hires on a Wednesday night? And I said, okay. And they asked me to start preaching. And then one Sunday, and then one Sunday the, um, the senior pastor said, hey, I want to meet you after a service. And so I started thinking in my head, okay, Lord, what have I done stupid recently? Like I, haven't, like, I stopped speeding years ago, so I can't be speeding with kids in the car, and I haven't said anything dumb in a while. But he wanted to meet me because he said, you know, I hear you've been involved here a long time and I've never met you. And so I, I met him. And then a few weeks later they said, would you like to be a youth pastor and come on staff? And I said, okay. And then we were working at church for a long time and then the Lord told me, Justin, it's time to go. So I said, okay. And I said, Justin, you're going to go to a church plant and you're going to help them out. And I said, okay. And we went to a church plant. And I felt like after a while after that, the Lord started tugging on my heart and saying, hey, man, this construction thing ain't for me. I feel like I need to serve the Lord. So he's like, Justin, I want you to go be a missionary. And so I said, okay. I, had, I don't have a theology degree. I've never been to preaching school. I don't have a master's in anything. Um, and I found an organization that said, man, we need people that need Jesus, but we really need someone that knows how to do electrical work because we can get preachers, but we can't get electricians. And so I said, Okay. So I quit my job and I quit all of our income and we sold everything and we never once asked somebody for money. We just told them like we felt like the Lord said, hey, there's this missionary a long time ago who never asked anyone for money. He would just tell people what the needs of the ministry were and he took care of them. So I don't want you to ask people for money. Just tell them what the need is and I'll take care of you. And I said, okay. So the Lord ended up raising a church to support us. They ended up raising people through the church and through our friends and family. And we had enough money to be able to support our entire family living on the mission field without making any money because of what the Lord had done. So I said, okay. So we went. And we were missionaries for a couple years, and it was a wonderful time. And then we felt like the Lord told us, hey, your time on the mission field is done. You need to move back home. So I said, Okay. And we moved back home and said, Lord, I don't know where I'm going to go and I don't know what I'm going to do and I don't know where I'm going to live, but we're moving back to our country. So we came back to the U.S. and not sure where we were going to land. We were thinking maybe we would stay with our parents. And so the Lord's like, all right, go to Arizona. And so I said, okay. And when we were moving to Arizona, we got our kids signed up to school. And on our way to Arizona, we found a rental property that came up for sale or came up for rent. And we called the guy. We met him there. And he said, you know, you don't have a job and you don't really have a whole lot of references in Tucson and I usually require proof of income, but let me think about it. I said, okay. He called me back and he's like, you know, I'm not a religious person, but I really get the feeling that I need to rent you this house, so I'm going to rent you this house. <laughs> and we were paying like 400 bucks a month less than we probably should have. 
I said, okay. And I said, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do for money because we have some saved up, but not a lot, and I'm going to burn through that quick. And the Lord got me a job. And then the Lord got me another job. And then the Lord got me another job and a better job. And they kept going, and we kept going forward because I would say, okay. And then the Lord said, Justin, I want you to get involved in church. And I said, okay. And I've been grateful for it. And I said, I want you to get involved with the men's Bible study. And I said, okay. And the, Lord, the more that I have said okay to the Lord, and I know it sounds really cool when you look back, but that's the great thing about this psalm. When he's talking about what has the Lord done in your life and sing praises, at the time, your life never really feels magnificent. The Lord, the, it doesn't really feel powerful. It doesn't feel like the Lord's done much in your life when you stop and you're looking at where you currently are. But one of the things that I love about the Old Testament is God told the nation of Israel when they were coming out of the land of Egypt, hey, they're going to stop and you're going to build this pile of rocks. And I want you to build this pile of rocks because every time you walk by and your kids are like, Dad, why is there a pile of rocks? That's going to give you an opportunity to look back and say, hey, this is what God did for our family. This is what God did for our nation as we were coming out. So looking back at your life, my life is not all that special, but I bet if you stopped and you started looking back at your own life and seeing, hey man, where has God moved in my life? And I've gone from Orange County, I've gone from Orange County to here, and I've been in and out of construction, and the Lord's moved mightily. I've bought and sold houses, not because I'm special, but just because of the things the Lord's have done. I've been a missionary and a pastor a couple times now. And not because I'm special and not because I'm holier than anyone else, just because I'm willing to say to the Lord, okay, he asks you to do something. I tell you, man, the best place you could be is when the Lord asks you to do something, just tell him, okay. Amen. Amen. And Pastor Dan, um, where have you seen uh, God work in your life? So let me preface this by saying this. Psalm 105 is a fascinating psalm and just all telling about testifying of what God has done. And what I love about that psalm is the very first verse, it calls on us to do three things. That is give thanks, call on his name, and make him known. Give thanks, call on his name, and make him known. And when I think about that and how David, who wrote this psalm, weaves, I think, at least five different ways of testimony that he shares about how God has worked in the life of his people. And that is, one is God has always kept his promises. That is, God protects. God is always working. God redeems. And finally, God provides. So when I thought about what is it that I should share about what God has been doing lately in my life. I thought, well, how does that line up with kind of the five aspects of testimony that I see in this psalm? And so I want to share two brief stories. Emphasis, not on brief. Um, so I was in Wisconsin, and the reason why I was there was my brother bought a condo, and he was moving from a house to a condo in the hometown where we grew up, just a, a suburb of Milwaukee called Waukesha. And um, we were taking, as he closed on the house on Friday, I came in by train, which was a lot of fun. I hadn't taken the train in years, so I took a train from Grand Rapids over to Milwaukee. And so got to stop in Chicago for a little bit, which is a great city. 
and now I'm on record for saying that, <laughs> even though I'm, I'm a Wisconsinite. So, yeah. And so that, as soon as we got off, as soon as I got uh, to Milwaukee, my aunt and I, we went over and we were taking a tour of my brother's condo, condo building. They have underground parking. It's a really nice condo, and it's the kind of place you want to live in if you have to live in Wisconsin, <laughs> because you don't have to do any shoveling. And so he, you know, has, a, has an indoor pool, so we were looking there, and we saw a person in there, and we're like, you know, whatever, you know, sir, walking around, and we're taking, you know, we got a fitness center and all that kind of stuff, and we're in the lobby, and the person who was in the pool was now coming out, and this person was walking back to their condo, and this person all of a sudden says, Dan? <laughs> and I look up and I said, Sharon? And it turned out that this individual and her husband were some of my youth leaders when I was in youth group 30 plus years ago. They were living in this condo building. Now, that's a cool thing, but here's the cooler thing I think is about this. And I, I don't think my brother is watching this at all, so I'm going to say this. I have been praying for years and years and years and years and years that my brother would come to know Jesus. And I, I don't think he's there yet, but man, seeds have been planted. But what has been so cool is knowing that these individuals now are living in the same condo building that he is in. And the other day, my brother said, I got to meet the husband, Dan, and I, he was talking to me about himself and about you and about your involvement. And, and my brother knows my involvement in church. But my hope is now that there would be a greater connection for him to actually know in a real way the love of Jesus yes. from this couple. I couldn't have planned it. Out of 75,000 people who live in this city, there's a couple that I knew in the same now condo building that my brother is moving into. And I just praise Jesus for that. God is always, always at work, even when I don't always realize it, even when I don't always see it, even when I think he is not at work. I am just reminded that God is always at work. Let me give you a second story. Emphasis, not on brief. I have another family member who is going through the soup right now. And it's tough. And it's not pretty. And it's something that, as usual, is often unexpected when things happen to us or to me or to a family member that I care deeply about that all of a sudden now we didn't plan on. This was not part of this person's life plan. This was not in any way what this person had set out or in any way thought that their life would turn out to be. And yet now this is where they find themselves. But what is so awesome in the midst of all this is I got to go to church with this family member because this family member is excited to go to church and is excited to be a part of a support group to help through this terrible season of life that they now find themselves in. And I got to go and be a part of this service and to worship with this individual and to see this individual come alive in Jesus in a time, I'll be honest with you, brothers and sisters, when bad things happen, I don't know about you, but the often response to that is to pull away from God. Is to say, God, why me? 
is to say, God, you know what? If this is what this life is, I want no part of it. I thought, Jesus, if I came to know you and have a life with you, that everything was going to be phenomenal. There would be no heartache, no pain. That's eventual, church. That's eventual. But it's not yet. But here's what I think is present. And this goes back to this testimony part in Psalms 105 here, is that God is always working. Even in the midst of our grief, heartache, pain, when all of a sudden we find ourselves in a position in life that we never thought we would ever be in, as my relative is in right now, that all of a sudden now we can start to see, no, wait, God, you are working. I may not see it all yet, but you are working. I may not realize it fully yet, but you are still here. You have not given up. You are still working And those two things this past week that I got to see while visiting with my family, life-changing. God, you are still working. And I'm going to call on your name, I'm going to give thanks, and I'm going to make you known for what you are doing. So, there you go. That's awesome. This psalm also talks about finding joy and... um, Finding joy in the Lord. And so, Weezy, we're going to ask you this morning, how do you find joy? Oh, well, it's, it's a God thing that Dan just talked about, finding God in the middle of pain, because how I find joy most of the time is when I'm praying with someone who's broken, and I, God lets me witness what he does, what God does, what only God can do with our brokenness. Uh, So I want to share three not-so-brief stories (laughs) with you. Uh, This is way back, way back in the Wayback Machine when I was working as a Christian counselor in Ohio. And uh, I had one lady come in for counseling, and I was a student, you know, not, I kind of suck at counseling, honestly. Uh, But she was, she was a hot mess. Oh, my gosh. Whatever you can think of that somebody in their 20s could be in the middle of that would make them into a hot mess. She, oh my, it, yeah, she had it, and, and she felt it. Oh boy. And I really had nothing to offer her but Jesus, and she was only there not looking for Jesus really, but because we had student counselors and we're cheap. You know, and, but we were upfront about how this is a Christian agency, and so she's like, okay, fine, whatever. But I, we're, we're doing some art therapy. <laughs> so-called. I had given her some paper and a bunch of art supplies and whatever, and I said, let's just try, do a self-portrait for me. Just do whatever on this paper that seems to express who you are inside. Well, she thought, and she thought, and she thought, and she thought, and she sweated, and she pulled her hair, and she squirmed, and finally she grabbed a big black crayon and just went like this, all over the paper, and she said, there, that's who I am. Well, my heart broke, because, you know, I mean, there she was. And I have nothing to offer her but Jesus, you know. And, and she had maybe that much belief. It was kind of like, well, maybe God exists, but who cares, you know. And so I said, well, let's, let's go to prayer and just ask Jesus to, to do what God does with, with who you are. And we prayed, and after about a minute, she burst into tears and and. I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) 
Well, and I, I asked her, you know, what's, what's going on? Well, what she described was that Jesus had appeared to her and reached into that scribble, that black scribble, and pulled up a handful and kissed it, and butterflies came out. And she was still a hot mess, but she wasn't the same hot mess. She now knew how God responds to her brokenness. And she had the legs under her now to be able to start doing some work and having some hope and getting somewhere and things improved for her. The second story that I want to tell is how God responded to a little piece of my brokenness. And I've shared this story before, but I'm going to share it again because I love it. I was turning 40, and I was going through one of those angsty times of, oh, God, I'm wasting my life. I never, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know how you kind of get into these spells where you're just not okay. And Jesus gave me a vision. I was sitting in prayer, and I felt a weight in my hand. And he said, look at that. What is that? And it was an egg, a chicken egg. And I didn't have chickens. I mean, there's no significance. It was just an egg. And I said, what is this? And he said, it's my gift to you. And I said, what's going to hatch from it? And he said, you. And it shut me up. I still don't know where my life is going, but I know that Jesus is hatching the person he wants me to be. It's not up to me. I can let go of the angst. I don't have to be broken about it. I just have to keep growing inside that shell till he cracks it open and I'll be what I'm supposed to be. The third story that I want to tell you, again, when I was working as a student counselor in this Christian agency, an older gentleman had come to me and he was not clinically depressed, but he was in a bad spot and it was kind of a, a an age-related thing for him in the sense that he just sort of felt like he was just a, a failure at life. He'd been a churchgoer all his life. He knew God more or less, you know, the way you sort of know God when you go to church all your life. But he felt like he just, everything he tried kind of fell down on him. He didn't have a great relationship with his kids. He'd had some squirrely business dealings. He just felt like Surely God is as fed up with him as he is with himself. And we had, because again, I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I have nothing to offer this guy but God. So we had prayed through that and had asked God to tell him whatever he wanted to tell him. And it was, we waited quite, I mean, it was like five minutes, and five minutes can last for about eight weeks <laughs> sometimes. And finally, I had said, you know, what, what's going on? And he, he drew a deep breath, sort of like he hadn't been breathing for the whole five minutes. And he said, I don't know what's going on. I just, I feel his presence around me, and I feel him saying, I forgive you. I love you. I'll never leave you. And then <laughs> this always chokes me up because he started crying. He said, and he said, it's okay to cry. Jesus tells him it's okay to cry. Nothing fixed his life, but his heart got fixed. And that's my joy, is when God lets me see his response to our brokenness. That's what makes me worship. I love that. That's amazing. And then as we continue on this psalm, we also find um, 
that we can sing to the Lord. And so we ask you this morning, Pastor Eric, um, how do you sing to the Lord? Uh, as most of you know, poorly. Um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> music is... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Music is a, it has always been just a really big thing in my life. And I mean, I, I love music, and I'm tone deaf, and it's, my parents tried to get me to play all sorts of instruments, and they finally went, no, he's tone deaf. And so the, um, but it's, it's, again, music is just so much in my life. And, and last night, Don and I got to do one of the things I really enjoy. We just sort of sat there together, and we played music from our from the past, and in this case, it was soft rock from the 70s, you know, so if you could remember Lady in Red or Babe and those songs, and it's just kind of a reflection of what was going on, and you know, it was just, just really cool to just look at where music was in your life, and so when I talk about how do I sing to the Lord, you know, as you know, I, I listen to, I'd get in trouble if I move the mic in the wrong place, the, um, if, you know, as I've told you before, I listen to Christian music constantly. If, if, if music's on, that's what's on. Um, and I find that there's, there's so much music that just happens to land where I am, um, what I need. Um, and so I'm, what I did today was I, I put together some, some songs that to me um, really were the right song at the right time. Let me put it that way. So the first one is, have you ever been worn out from the stuff of the day? You're just tired. Well, there's a song for that. It's called Weary Traveler. Uh, and I'm only going to do little pieces of it because obviously we don't have that much time. But the lyrics, you can see there, Weary Traveler, beat down from the storms that have you weathered. Feels like this road just might go on forever. Carry on. You keep on giving, but every day this world just keeps on taking. Your tired heart is on the edge of breaking. Carry on. Weary traveler, restless soul, you were never meant to walk this road alone. It'll all be worth it, so just hold on. Weary traveler, you won't be weary long. You know, the, have you been in that situation where you have asked yourself, why am I here? I'm not going to measure up to the expectations and I feel alone. Well, there's a song for that. <laughs> you say by Lauren Daigle. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. You say I'm loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I'm strong when I think I'm weak. You say I'm held when I'm falling short. When I don't believe, you say I'm yours. And I believe, I believe what you say of me. I believe. The only thing that matters now is everything you think of me. In you I find my worth. In you, I find my identity. You know, there are so many times that you're just, you just, the world is a, just a bad place to be. And I just love it. I'll be sit, driving down the road, you know, going to work, or I'll be in my office, and, 
and I'll just be in a mood, and a song comes on, and it's the right song. It's music for your heart. You know, I, I tell Deborah, you know, she's been so gracious by adding songs when I want them in, in messages because they're songs that just are perfect. You know, I always thought it was amazing how so many psalms were written after listening to these songs. Well, might know it's probably the other way around, but the... Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Like I said, it's interesting. I listen to these songs, I'm like, I know what psalm that is. You know, some of the stuff we sing today came from psalms. Um, and I love the fact that we're studying the psalms because of the fact that you know, so many of this stuff comes from the, you know, from the Psalms. All right. So if you found yourself in the fruitless pursuits of the world only to find it empty and unfulfilling, well, there's a song for that. First things first, by consumed by fire. First things first, I seek your will, not my own. Surrender all my wants to you. Keep the first thing first to live your truth. Walk your ways, set my eyes, Lord, I will fix my face on you. All my desires reversed to keep this first thing first. I give it all, my life an offering, my heart is yours, so have your way in me. Your kingdom's all I want to seek. I don't want to love what the world loves. I don't want to chase what the world does. I only want you. I only want you. So I don't want to come out of this thinking that it's all negative. So the next half of the questions, we're going to talk about the positive in the songs. But I just want you to know, for me, there's a song for that. Um, and if you don't have a habit of listening to Christian music, I encourage you to give it a try. You know, put some time in every day just to, and, and listen to it. I mean, listen to it, to the words. Oop. The, uh, <laughs> I know I keep getting in trouble if I move the mic in the wrong place. The, I like to talk with my hands, and you can't do that with a mic. Um, anyway, but the, the, I just, I mean, there's songs that I just, I literally, I'll pull over because I'll just start crying, and it's really not safe to cry and drive. <laughs> so, that's. That's how I sing to the Lord. Thanks. That's awesome. Um, so we're going to continue on in worship. We're going to continue on singing. And just thinking of all those questions, it really does make us want to sing to him, right? It really does want to make us lift our voice to him and think of all that he's done for us and, and truly lift our voice to him, lift our, lift our thoughts to him. Lift our desires to him. So let's just sing this song this morning. So, Pastor Eric, how do you find joy in the Lord? All right. So I promised you a second half. So that's how I find joy. Well, I'll tell you what. I find help and strength in the music, but also find joy. I feel praise. I, I hear the promise. It's something I get to cling to. And, of course, there's a song for that. <laughs> so, Run to the Father by Cody Carnes. You saw my condition, had a plan for the start. Your son for redemption, the price for my heart. And I don't have a context for that kind of love. 
I don't understand, I can't comprehend, all I know is I need you. I run to the Father, I fall into grace, I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend, so I'll run to the Father again and again, and again and again. I can't really do the oh, oh without singing. The, uh, so, <laughs> again and again and again and again. <laughs> my heart has been in your sights long before my first breath. Running into your arms, I'm running to life from death. And I feel this rush deep in my chest. Your mercy is calling out just as I am. You pull me in, and I know I need you now. That is such a cool song. Um, I love that. God was in, we were in God's heart before we were. And he's been there the whole time. I mean, that to me was the most amazing thing. He knew me from the beginning, and he still likes me. In fact, he loves me, which is, you know, if I knew me, I probably wouldn't. All right. So, while we don't have a creed in the Brethren Church, uh, we do believe in the truth of the gospel, and that there's songs that remind us. In fact, there's a song for that. We believe by the newsboys. In this time of depression, when all we know is doubt and fear, there is only one foundation. We believe. In this broken generation, when all is dark, you help us see there is only one salvation, we believe. We believe. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe he conquered death. We believe in the resurrection, and he's coming back again. We believe. And there's days that I just feel happy with God. You know, you just want something fun. Um, I know his arms are there and you're happy and there's a song for that. <laughs> Thank You, Lord by Chris Tomlin. Really not, really hard not to sing this song. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for the hard times, for lighting the way in the dark times, for pulling me in, for giving again the times I took too far. I gotta thank you for keeping me humble for picking me up when I stumble. It is kind of a, <laughs> although I change, you stay the same, and I don't say thank you enough. This is the best part. For my, mo for my mama, for my friends, for your love that never ends, for the songs that make us dance on this old dirt floor, for my babies, for my girl, for the way you change the world. Waking up today, just gotta say, thank you, Lord, just got to say, thank you, Lord. I'll tell you, when this comes on in the truck, I mean, it is bubbly fun. I mean, so, I know, it's a good, good thing. There's, of course, I sing in the car, there's nobody else there. I sing in my office, there's nobody there. Well, the cat's there, but doesn't seem to mind. The, uh, <laughs> so, all right, this last one, I have to be careful if I, this song plays in traffic. Uh, because it really speaks to me. It's really a powerful song uh, and expresses thankfulness that I have in my heart for Jesus and, and what he did for me and, and what I know he can do for others. 
you know, as many of you know, I came to know the Lord late in life. Uh, I was 33, been a lot of water under the bridge, um, and yet he met me where I was, loved me for who I was, and, and I came to know him. Um, and so this, of course, there's a song for that. Uh, and so what I picked was Jesus Can by Austin French. Everybody's got that hurt they wish that never happened. Everyone's got that pain that they wish they could undo. But wounds become scars and scars become stories. And it, when it comes to the story of you, who turns a broken dream into a life redeemed, who can turn your worst defeat into your victory, who saw me where I was and led me to where I stand. My life is living proof that only Jesus can. Only Jesus can save me. Only Jesus can change me. Only Jesus can take me from lost to found. Hallelujah, I'm singing. There's no stealing my freedom. He picked up all the pieces. Look at me now. You know, I can't fully explain the joy I have in Jesus Christ. The distance from where I was to where I am. And fortunately, I'm not done. I'm still going in the right direction. Um, and so, you know, I love the fact that I can sing, that I can sit, bring my voice to God in praise and in joy. And I know some say, you know, my voice is, is um, let's just say, a joyful noise. And, uh, <laughs> but I know somehow as it filters up, it gets to God and it's music. And he loves to hear singing joy and praise to him. Um, so I encourage you, if you don't do that, and for me, like I said, it's listening to Christian radio. There's just so many songs that just, boom, land where I need it to land. Um, and so that's how I find joy. In Amen. That's awesome, huh? Um, so, Weezy, then we ask you, how do you sing to the Lord? Well, I'm kind of like Eric that... Uh, it's not true, but I like to joke that I'm the only person who's ever been invited to not go Christmas caroling with the rest of the church. <laughs> I sing to the cats because they sing worse than I do, you know. Um, so I, my way of letting out my joy in the Lord is with art. That's, that's who I am. It's where I go. It's what I do. Um, I wanted to share three pieces with you um, that... I picked these three. A lot of, of what I do expresses my joy, and, and I could stand here and show you a bunch of stuff. But I picked these three because I've already told you the backstory. Uh, these are pieces that I made, one for myself, uh, but the other two for the two clients that I told you about, um, with their permission, of course. And the reason that I'm also bringing them here is because part of the permission that they gave me was that their brokenness and what God had done for them, they wanted to witness and share with other people, which is a big chunk of how our brokenness gets healed is when we submit it to God and let him use it to heal. So I want to start with one called Beauty. This is the scribble, and I don't know how well you can see it. The verse that I put under it is from Isaiah, I'll give them beauty in the place of ashes and oil of gladness in place of mourning and garments of praise instead of despair. And that has been <clears throat> a piece that I've shared with, with many, many other people, and it has helped them. Um, the next one is called The Gift. 
That's the one for myself. Uh, Randall and Audrey modeled for this one many, many years ago. Um, but that's, I, uh, this is one I don't share very many times with very many people because I haven't met that many people who were struggling with what I was struggling with when Jesus gave me that little treasure of myself that he's bringing to fruition. But I like the way it turned out and I wanted to share it with you. <laughs> um, the last one is called OK. This is the one of the old gentleman who, um, and again, I don't know how well you can read it, but around the side it says, I, I forgive you, I love you, I will never leave you. It's OK to cry. So that's how I sing to the Lord. I love that. I think she sings well. <laughs> So, um, Pastor Dan, um, when have you sought the Lord's strength, and how did he show up for you? So, in the Psalm 105, I think, gives a very good model and way for me, at least, to understand when does God show up when I most need him, which is oftentimes in times of distress and times of suffering, when things are not going the best. And I love what David does in Psalm 105 is he reminds the people of Israel the history, their history of how God rescued them, redeemed them, protected them, provided for them, was always working out things for their good. And I think of that because I think sometimes I feel guilty about saying, well, God, I know you've did this for me in the past, but what are you doing for me now? And sometimes I may not be able to know what God is doing for me now for me to rely on his strength. But in those moments, I need to go back to my history and say, God, I know you did this for me back then. So I know you must still be doing this for me now, even if I'm not seeing it. So for me, it's one big thing is to rely on that strength is to remember how God has worked in my life in the past. How he has been there for me in the past. How he has shown up in ways that I could not explain it in the past. Here's the second thing, and this is going to sound corny, and I'm okay with corny. Being in worship with all of you is unbelievably strengthening for me. I can't tell you how many times I may have had a difficult morning or a, or a week or a day or even right on Sunday morning where, like some of you, it might be a chore to get here. Let me let you in on a little secret, church. Sometimes it's a chore for me to get here. And it's my job. I need to show up here. I was reading a study about the unchurched and about people who have fallen away from church or are no longer attending church. Do you know the, the, the most obvious reasons why is if there's been abuse in the church? That's an obvious reason why. If the church has hurt someone or has hurt you, I get it. You're out. That's not the most obvious reason, though. That doesn't represent the vast majority of us who are in church. The vast majority of us who are in church that no longer seem to be going to church, it is a slow decline, a slow kind of process of waking up and discovering new habits. I'm going to go to brunch with this person on Sunday morning. It's the only time they can go. I've got to go and do this chore. It's only on Sunday morning that I can do it. And before you know it, you developed a new habit that begins to now slowly take away from the aspect of coming together in community with other believers and worshiping together. 
And before you know it, you're all alone. Before you know it, you find yourself out of that rhythm. For me, finding and being in the midst of all of us together worshiping, for me, is an incredibly tangible way for me to understand and know that I can rely on the strength of the Lord. And I'll tell you something. If I've had a bad Sunday morning, which is not unusual at times, it happens more than I wish, but it does happen. If I'm in worship with all of you, I come out of it happier. I'm looking, Jesus, give me a reason not to be here. And he gives me 10 reasons why I should be here. He gives me 10 reasons why I need to be here. It's the collectiveness of being together. And I know that may sound corny, and I'm not just saying that because you all give me a paycheck and all that kind of stuff. I say that because it's absolutely true. I need all of you collectively in worship together when I am just feeling in a way that, God, I need you now. I need your strength. So those are two big ways. I remember how God has worked in my life and I come together and worship with all of you, and it makes all the difference. Amen. So, Justin, we ask you that same question. When have you sought the Lord for strength, and how did he show up for you? Again, there's another two-hour sermon. <laughs> kind of like what Dan had mentioned is looking back at where you've been from, where you came from, and what the Lord's already brought you through. Like I mentioned, I, for a period of time, that phrase in the Old Testament, or that, that phrase when they said they would raise an Ebenezer, a pile of stones for them to go back and look. So you could tell your kids, this is what the Lord has done. So we had a board in our house for a long time that had prayers on it that we would pray for as a family, and we would save them. And when the Lord would answer, we would write on the back how the Lord answered so that we could show the kids, look, we sought the Lord, and he answered. So I think a big way of seeing the Lord and him giving you strength in your life is you got to look for it. It's a choice. Otherwise, things just seem random. And I mentioned the Lord was so gracious to us and that the Lord's given me a lot of opportunities and I've gotten to see a lot of good things. But in those times, the Lord really wants to test your faith and faith and know why are you doing this? And I cannot tell you how many times I was looking at like, all right, Lord, I don't know where I'm going to get the money. Like, my transmission went out. I don't have money, Lord. I don't know what's going to happen, and the Lord will come through. You know, when, when I moved out, when my parents moved out of my house, <laughs> I joke because my parents moved to Arizona, and I stayed in California, so I tell people, yeah, my parents moved out. <laughs> there were times where I was like, man, I can either eat two meals today, or I could put gas in my truck, but I can't do both. There were times I was like, well, I can maybe, I can, I've got, I would go buy pasta in bulk because it was cheap and I could eat a lot of noodles and feel full. But there were times where I was like, Lord, I don't even know where I'm going to get food today. And the Lord always provided. There was times where I'm like, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to, I need gas to go to work to make money. And I don't know where I'm going to get money for gas and food. And I have no idea how, but I had tanks of gas that lasted me two or three weeks when I used to fill up once or twice a week. You know, and I'm thinking about it even now. This is a pattern in your life where you got to look, where you're like, man, my life is crappy. I don't know where I'm going to get food. I don't know where I'm going to get money. Things are going wrong. And you realize you're still here. You're still moving forward. When you start looking for like, all right, Lord, what have you done? And why am I still here? And how do I keep moving forward? And you realize, man, the Lord is mighty and he's powerful and he's orchestrating things in your life 
to take care of you where you wouldn't even thought that he would have. Right? I was like moving to Arizona. I had no job and I had no house and I wasn't sure, but I knew, okay, Lord, you've brought me through this before. When I was a pastor, I got so poor for a while that we were looking at getting on government assistance because I couldn't afford food. And the Lord opened doors. Right? I've done, and the, the Lord has just continued to open, like, God, I don't know where I'm going to get money for the transmission. Transmission gets fixed. AC goes out in my wife's van, and we live in Arizona, and that's kind of a big deal this time of year. Like, all right, Lord, now, now what? And the Lord opens doors. The Lord fixes things. I assumed I was going to be renting the rest of my life, and we were praying about it. The Lord opened doors for us to move into a house. We had help from family and friends, but we were able to move into a house and own again. Right? And then recently, the AC unit broke in our house. We moved in. The day we moved in, the AC unit was broken. Yep. It's July. So I'm like, all right, Lord, it's 90 degrees in the house. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I can't. This is not, I'm not sleeping good. And then work, and two guys at work were like, oh, you know, we used to have this remote office. We had some portable AC units in there. Just go, go talk to the shop guys, see if they're still around. And we got AC units that we're able to put in the bedrooms to cool the house down. Right, then, then uh, so, so we're, we're living in the house, and then light, and then we had that monsoon two or three nights ago. It broke, we live next to a, a switch yard where TEP power comes in and goes out to the neighborhood. Poles broke. So at 1030 at night, the power goes out, and now it's 95 degrees in my house again. I'm like, okay, Lord, what are we doing? And the Lord opened doors, and my, my folks called and said, why don't you just come spend the night? And so what seems like people helping out and what seems like, you know, you're just figuring out ways and, I, you know, maybe I can work some overtime and I can do this. When you stop and look at it, man, the Lord is orchestrating things in your life to take care of you. So I think the big thing of looking at how is God taking care of me and like, man, this sucks. My house is hot. My car is broken. Like, God, life is rough. But when you switch your mindset and you start thinking like, okay, Lord, you know, I got it fixed. I've got food. My house is cooling off. I've, you know, I'm getting taken care of. At work last, last year, work was really rough. Right? I, I was a team of three, and I was the newest guy, and the other two guys quit, and I went for a year without help. I went for a year being the only guy at my job doing it what I did, and it was rough. And the Lord provided. The Lord brought help. The Lord, the Lord brought God. In a time where you can't find people to work in construction, the Lord brought two new guys to work, and it's phenomenal. And now I'm back to only working like a nine-hour day instead of a 13-hour day. And you look at it like, oh, yeah, we just hired people. Like, no, man, I was praying like, God, I don't know how much longer I can keep doing this. I'm like, God, I don't know where money's going to come from. And God, I don't know how I'm going to be able to keep moving forward when things keep breaking and things keep getting hard. And when you switch your mindset and be like, okay, Lord, where are you moving? Like, okay. Oh, Man, and sometimes he does stuff just for fun, just to, just to bless you, right? Sometimes, like, I forgot to bring my lunch one day, and people are like, hey, we're going out, I'm buying. And it's like, which is great. And you think, like, okay, Lord, like, cool. So, yeah, you bought me lunch when I didn't need to. And when you stop and you start looking for ways, how has the Lord blessed your life? Like, man, maybe your car broke down. Well, who's taking care of you? Maybe your marriage is on the rocks. Well, what other ways have the Lord blessed you? You got... I was funny, I knew a guy who was just really torn up because he got evicted from his house, and life was rough, and he lost his house, and, and he was really in a bad way. Well, then it turned out some drug dealers moved in down the street, and that neighborhood is not a place he wanted to raise kids anymore. And what turned into, like, I lost my house. 
turned into God sparing him and his family from living with that kind of nonsense on his street. So I really want to encourage you as you're thinking about it this week, when you start looking for the ways that God's blessing you, start looking for the ways that God's taking care of you, because I find so much that God does move in the extraordinary, but God really takes care of you in the ordinary. And he's so good at it. You know, the the guy who created Apple said, if you really want to be a genius, take something incredibly complex and make it so simple a kid can use it. The iPhone is incredibly complex, and I have to get my kids to fix it for me from time to time. <laughs> and you look at it, and your life is so incredibly complex, that God, and God is so incredibly smart that he can fix it with something like overtime or with a neighbor calling to check on you, or with someone taking you to lunch, or with someone offering to buy you gas, or a friend calling you at the right time at the right place. And man, that really, when I stop and look for it, man, God really shows up in big ways in my life. Amen. Wasn't that awesome today? So we're going to do one last, yeah, exactly. It was. It was awesome to hear from them.